Amen. Good morning. Welcome to Calvary. We're glad that you're here this morning. You know, last week, sometime in the week, I noticed, uh, or it dawned on me, I guess I should say, that my wife somehow had made plans to be gone uh, on the week in which we were preaching on 1 Peter 1, or 1 Peter 3, 1 to 6, which was all about women. And so I thought, huh, I should do something so that I'm gone this week. As you can see, that didn't work out. So here I am. And uh, seriously, last week I thought, what could be harder than having to preach to women about being a godly woman when you're a man? And then I opened up the passage for this week and realized the only thing harder than doing that is preaching to men about something that you're terrible at. Now... I'm not being falsely modest here. There are lots of things in the Christian life that I do quite well. Uh, there are lots of things that by God's grace I've grown in and have success in. Maybe they uh, naturally resonate with my personality, whatever. But what we're talking about this morning is not one of them. <clears throat> Sometimes when I look at this, I think, wow, I've got so far to go in what God is wanting to do in my life, in this area, that it's embarrassing. But the problem is that this morning we only have one verse to look at. And so while I'd rather avoid this verse and talk about something else, there's nothing else to talk about. And so my prayer this morning is, is that it would be God's words speaking to us and that sometimes failure is a good teacher. And so we're going to pray and ask God's blessings that even though we're in a subject area that is not my strength, uh, that God himself will speak through weakness uh, and show himself to be strong. So would you pray with me? Father, we're here this morning clearly not to hear the words of a man, uh, Lord God. Uh, We're here to hear your words. Uh, Lord, which of us is qualified to stand up and say, look at me. Uh, Lord, which of us is qualified to stand up and say, Lord, here it is. God, we are only qualified to point to you. And so, Lord, I pray that this morning as we speak especially to the men of this congregation, Lord, I pray that it would be your voice that's heard in the assembly. Uh, Lord God, that you would uh, speak words to us that encourage us, that convict us, Lord, that teach us, that help us to grow. Uh, Lord God, that we might become like Jesus in all things. We ask this in his name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible, would you turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. It's page 982 in the church Bibles. And as you heard referenced in the skit, this week husbands have just one verse. And wives last week had six verses. Now, perhaps the reason for the difference is not what you saw in the skit. But perhaps the reason for the difference is maybe wives, women are better at multitasking. And so they can hear about submission, external beauty, difficult assignments, all of that at one time. Whereas sometimes men, we need very focused very specific instructions on just one thing. 
And that's what we have this morning from God to us. Just one thing that God wants each of us men to do. Now, you're going to hear the text read, and you're going to hear the word husbands. But just like last week, I want to point out that these passages are not so much marriage passages as they are mission passages. That they're about how God is going to bring His kingdom in this world. And so to that extent, even though they are explicitly addressed to husbands, I believe they are relevant to all men. That be the kind of men that God wants us to be in order to see His kingdom come in this place. And whereas last week it was addressed specifically to women, and men we were allowed to listen in, and hopefully God blessed our hearts through what He had to say, so too women this week, as God specifically uh, takes focus on us men, I'm praying that there is something for you as well in what God has to say. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Husbands, in the same way be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, in just a minute, we're going to look through this verse, phrase by phrase. But before we do, I want to kind of get the overall sense of the verse. The overall sense when you read this verse is that, interestingly enough, even though it's directed towards men, in many ways, it's about women. The first six verses are uh, directed towards women. And this verse, which is directed towards husbands, is also in many ways about women. And frankly, the sense that you get from listening to this verse is about how husbands can support their wives in the work that God is doing in and through them to advance the kingdom. Now, sometimes, men, we like to think, like I said last week, that everything rides or falls with us, that we're the ones that God is wanting to do great things through and that the women or the wives are here to support us and to help us in that. This presents a nice counterbalance to that view. The view that God is doing amazing things through the women in His kingdom and in many ways the husbands and the men are here to support them in the work that God is doing through them. Well, Peter begins, in the same way. In the same way, that's a reference to the fact that Peter's been talking about submission. He's been talking about submission in relation to wives. He's been talking about submission in relation to Jesus. He's been talking about submission in relations to uh, employees and students and volunteers, uh, to citizens in the state. And when Peter says, in the same way, what he doesn't mean is, is that husbands are commanded to submit to their wives. That's not what this means. What this means is in the same way, husbands, we are to live out our role in marriage in submission to God. That God commands wives to submit to their husbands. But husbands, we're not free to do whatever we feel like in marriage. We don't get to decide how this works. That God has a very specific plan for how the marriage relationship is supposed to happen. And that we must submit to His plan. Marriage is not about how we think it ought to go. Marriage is about how God says it must go. And in the same way that wives are commanded to submit to husbands, Jesus was asked to submit to the Father. 
Employees and students are asked to submit to those in authority over them. We are supposed to submit to governing authorities. God is saying to men today, you must submit to how I expect marriage to work. And this is what he says we are to submit to. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. Now, literally, it says, live with your wives in accordance with knowledge. Live with your wives in accordance with knowledge. The reason the NIV has translated it, be considerate, is that's the basic idea. Be considerate of your wives. The idea of knowledge is know your wife well enough to be able to provide for her that sort of considerate, loving care that she needs. The general sense of the idea is live with your wife in such a way that you know her well enough to be able to provide for her what it is that she needs so that she might feel loved and supported. In general, this can be things like knowing what your wife's love language is. What causes your wife to feel loved? Is it when she receives gifts? Is it words of affirmation? Is it time that you spend with her? In Lisa's case, one of her love languages is receiving gifts, which is unfortunate because... <laughs> Because it is something that I am notoriously bad at. To give you an example of just some of the presents that I have given my wife, they include nothing, <laughs> two reams of scrap paper, I've told you that story before, one fuzzy stuffed gorilla bought at a drugstore on the way over to see her on a very important day, uh, a set of pre-pregnancy size clothes, given to her the day after she gave birth. So, yes, not good. <laughs> I get that. Now, fortunately, as I was sharing this with uh, our pastoral residents, we were talking about Sermon Ardo, who uh, the Lord had chosen to pray this morning. Ardo shared uh, that he once gave his wife, Joyce, a spare tire for Christmas. So, I'm not alone in this. This is good. This is good. Talking to somebody yesterday, uh, another man in the congregation, who had basically forgotten about his wife's birthday at the end of the evening, realizing that he hadn't done anything for her birthday, went upstairs, made a homemade card and put a check for $200 in it and gave it to her. In general, these are not good things. And Peter's point is, know your wife well enough to be able to know how to love her. Is she the kind of woman who wants to uh, talk at night in the evening? Is she somebody whose, uh, whose family stresses her out? Does winter discourage her? Is she a woman who wants to spend a lot of time with her grandkids and that, that really energizes her and gives her purpose in life? Is she somebody that feels guilty when she has to work outside of the home that somehow uh, she's not able to spend as much time as she might want with the kids? Whatever it is, Peter's saying, know your wife. Know her. Not just in one area or in one season of life because women are constantly growing and changing as God is working on them. And Peter's saying, spend a lifetime knowing who she is so that you can live with her in such a way that you can offer her considerate care. 
In 1 Corinthians 7, God says it this way. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. This is God's instructions to married men. Look, your job is, is yes, you have partially, you have loyalty to me, but you are partially loyal to your wife in the sense of you can be concerned about what pleases me, God says, but you also must spend time being concerned about what pleases your wife. And God's saying to us husbands, know your wife. Know what it is about her that makes her feel loved. Know what it is about her that will offer her considerate, tender, loving care. And Peter says, that's what you're supposed to do. Now that's the general sense of what it means to be considerate. But Peter is going to give us one specific area in which husbands can show considerate love to their wives. Treat them with respect. Treat them with respect. Now, sometimes in Christian circles, we hear that husbands and wives need different things in a marriage. That husbands need respect and that wives need love. Now, it is true that in Ephesians, that's the way it's presented. That husbands need to be respected by their wives and that wives should be loved by their husband. That's very good. But First Peter provides a counterbalance to that to realize that wives need respect too. Of course, husbands need love, but the point this morning is wives need to be respected. And Peter gives two areas in which a husband should respect his wife and really in which a man should respect women. The first is, as the weaker partner. Now listen, there's no way to hear that phrase in this politically correct world in, we, in which we live and not bristle. But as is always the case with God, what he's saying here is not sexist, but affirming. When God calls the wife the weaker partner, or women the weaker partner, he does not mean intellectually or spiritually weaker. He can't mean that. He just got done in six verses right before here, telling us how central women are to God accomplishing his mission in this world. The point is not that they are somehow spiritually weaker than men. What may be in mind here is that on average, women are physically weaker than men. But even that, I don't think, is the point. What I think the point is here is that women are more vulnerable in the world in which we live. That there is more, it is a more oppressive place for women to live. Now, when I say the world, I don't mean the church. I mean the world as it is under Satan's control. That in the world... What women are naturally good at is less valued by the world. That in many ways, women are more often objectified. They're more likely to be the victims of violent assault. Uh, that women are uh, more separated from the levers of power in society. It's not that there are no women present 
in those places of power. It's just that it is more difficult for them in the world in which we live. That the things that women are created to do, like childbearing, for example, are not valued by society at large. That in many ways women have to act like men in society to get ahead. Again, not the church, but in the society in which we live, that in many ways it's more difficult for a woman in the world in which we live today. Camille Parker had an essay in Time magazine in December 2013. And it was entitled, It's a Man's World and It Always Will Be. And she makes this very wise observation. The modern economy, with its vast production and distribution network, is a male epic in which women have found a productive role, but women were not its author. And that's the idea that I think Peter is getting at here. Not that women have no natural advantages or that men never have any problems, but the point is, is the society at large in which we live is set up in such a way that it is more oppressive towards women than it is towards men. That it can be more difficult for a woman to be a woman in the world in which we live today. And Peter says you ought to have respect for the fact that women have been asked to live in this world that because of sin is antagonistic towards them and oppressive towards them. And God's saying, men, wake up. Wake up to the fact that in many ways, society is designed with men in mind. Now again, even in a place like America, which strives to be egalitarian, which strives to do uh, some, uh, lots of good things to sort of value women, the idea is, is that society in general is a difficult place for a woman to be the kind of woman that God wants her to be. And God's saying to men, look, pay attention to that. Respect what women have to go through in the world in which they find themselves. The second area in which he says that we are to respect them is not so much their role in the world or in society as it is their role in God's kingdom. That's the second phrase. And as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. Man, what God is saying to us is, think about the fact that your wife, every woman who is a believer in Jesus, is completely and totally your equal when it comes to God's blessing and favor. That women are equal with men as inheritors of the gift of life. That when it comes to salvation, there is no different. Galatians says there is neither male nor female, bond nor free. We're all one in Christ that when we get to heaven, the differences that are based on gender will be gone. That there will be no distinctions based on gender when it comes to salvation. That what God is doing is that women and men are absolutely and totally equal in God's sight. Which makes the role that God has asked women to play in his kingdom during this period, all the more worthy of respect. When God asks women to submit to their husbands, in many ways, this is what he's asked Jesus to do. Jesus, who being absolutely equal with God the Father, 
did not consider his equality with God something to be held on to tenaciously, but instead took on the form of a servant and lived in submission to God the Father. Well, Peter's saying, that's what God has asked wives to do. Wives who are absolutely equal with their husbands have been asked by God to take the same role that Jesus took, which was a role of submission. And men, how many of you have been in a workplace, for example, and perhaps on a work project, one of your coworkers was chosen to lead that project? Sometimes it can be difficult to follow the lead of a coworker who may be in every way your same pay grade, have been at the company just as long as you've been there, and in many ways is no more qualified than you are to lead that project. It can be difficult to simply submit to that person's leadership. Well, that's in many ways what God has asked wives to do every day of their lives. Is even though they are absolutely and completely equal when it comes to salvation, God has asked them to play a role in which they embrace submission. And Peter says that's worthy of respect. And just like God the Father, we are told his attitude towards Jesus' willingness to embrace such a role, even though he's completely equal with the Father, it says that God has exalted Jesus and given him a name that is above every name, whether on in heaven or on earth or under the earth, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Peter's saying, husbands, you ought to look at your wives the way that God looks at Jesus, which is he honors him for what he's chosen to do. And that men, women have been asked to walk a very hard road. A road of being completely equal when it comes to salvation. But being asked to embrace submission in the marriage relationship. And God's saying that's worthy of respect. That's worthy of buying your wife gifts. That's, word, that's worthy of saying words of affirmation to her. That's wor worthy of trying to serve her and support her as she works outside the home. That's worthy of being encouraging to her, looking for fulfilling opportunities for her to have in ministry. It's worthy of talking her up when you are around your children or your grandchildren or other people. That kind of willingness to embrace that difficult role in God's kingdom is worthy of our respect. And Peter says, look, guys, be smart. Realize that in society... Women have been asked to walk a very difficult road because society is not oriented towards their natural gifts and blessing them. And even in the kingdom, wives have been asked to take a very difficult road, the road that Jesus took. And for both those reasons, Peter says, they're worthy of respect. He finishes with, so that nothing will hinder your prayers and this reminds us that this is ultimately not a marriage text, but a missions text. That what God is saying is, men, look, I want to do great things through you, but it's not going to happen unless you treat your wife the way she ought to be treated. That in many ways, what you're going to do to accomplish in the church or in the world or wherever is dependent upon what you do at home. 
and how you and I interact with our wives and home. And what stands behind that final phrase seems to be this idea like we get in Matthew 18, where Jesus tells a story of a man who owed a king a huge debt of money. He owed him a ton of money and the king calls him in and the man begs for mercy and says, I I can't pay. And the king has compassion on the man and says, I forgive your debt. The man leaves the king's presence and he goes out and he finds somebody who owes him a little bit of money. And he grabs hold of the man who owns him a little bit of money and he says, you must pay right now. And the man says, please, I can't pay. Have mercy on me. And the man who had received mercy says to this other man, no way. And he throws him into prison. Well, the king finds out what happened and he's furious. And he calls in the first man and he says, what are you doing? Was I not merciful to you? Could you not show mercy to this man? And the king reverses the mercy that he had offered. See, when it comes to prayer, hinder your prayers, Hebrews tells us that prayer is coming before the throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help in time of need. And what Peter is saying is, look, husbands, look, men, if you're not merciful towards women... If you don't look at them with consideration and with respect, God is saying, I will not view you that way. If you can't be bothered to to listen to what is going on in your wife's life, if you can't be bothered to be considerate of your wife, I'm not going to listen to you. That's the point about hindering your prayers. You may think, we may think, we're going to get lots done in the church and in the kingdom. we got to get after this stuff and, and hopefully this woman or this wife is going to be supportive. And God's saying, that's not how it works. If you're not going to be merciful towards her and realize that her role is difficult, that her lot is difficult, God says, I will not be merciful to you. So husbands and men, I have an assignment for you to do. If you're married, I've got a set of questions I want you to go home today and ask your wife. If you're not married, I'd like you to still ask these questions perhaps to a granddaughter. Maybe uh, if you're younger to your mother. To a woman you know well in your small group. You may have to vary them slightly uh, based on the relationship of the woman to whom you're asking them. But these are the questions. Now they're written down in your notes so that we don't have an excuse to say I didn't have them. And here are the questions. Number one, how did the sermon make you feel today? Now, if they weren't here, you need to ask them to listen to the sermon or skip this question. But how did the sermon make you feel today? Number two, in what ways do you find it difficult to be a woman in the world today? I'm not talking about the church and the church world, but in society. In what ways is it difficult to be a woman in society today? Number three, what aspects of the world's obsession with beauty do you find to be the most challenging? That's a reference to last week as God talks about the fact that it's so difficult for women to live in a world that is obsessed with external beauty. We want to understand a little bit better about why that is so difficult. Number four, what does it feel like to be asked by God to embrace Submission. 
Last week we told the wives, when you hear the idea of submission, what goes on in your heart? Husbands, we're now asking you, ask your wife how that feels. That for Jesus, it was a very, very hard road to take on the form of a servant, to submit himself to his father's will. Number five, and again, depending on who you're asking this to, you may have to vary this question, but how do I love and understand you well? And how can I love and understand you better? How do I love and understand you well? And how can I love and understand you better? Now, these questions are designed to help us do this text. God is saying, men, to us today, you've got to know your wives. You've got to know women. You've got to understand what they're going through. You've got to understand the difficulties that they... You know, if God is nothing else, he's a God of compassion and of mercy and of understanding. And men, if we're going to accomplish anything great for God in his kingdom, we must be men after his own heart. And that's a heart of understanding and compassion. And Peter says the place where that heart is demonstrated is in a relationship with your wife or the way you treat women. And so my encouragement is go home today and ask a woman that's important to you these questions so that by God's grace, we might grow into being the kind of men who are considerate and respectful of our wives. Like I told you at the beginning of the sermon, this is not my area of strength. I'd love to stand up here and tell you, I'm great at being sympathetic. I'm great at being empathetic. I'm great at being merciful. This is an area of true struggle. But by God's grace, we want to hear his word and we want to acknowledge, Lord, I fall short of this. And this may be a great opportunity, men, to confess to God and to our wives that we fall short of what God wants to see in our lives.